With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello there. As you can probably tell, I don't have my equipment with me at the moment. I'm in a hotel room in Amsterdam. It's not as laddish as it sounds, unfortunately. I was born here in the Netherlands, so I'm back here for a trip down memory lane with my family, rather than it being a stint punctuated by coffee shop shenanigans. Ah, well, you can't have it all, can you? Anyway, just to say, I'm Tom. And for this, hopefully for you know, last time in a little while, I am Who Got The Assist for tonight. You can find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And Lucy, my usual co-host, can be found at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. A really short pop for me tonight with notes crafted mostly on the Eurostar, as I ignored my girlfriend, <laughs> covering game reviews, a min-league update, well, not really one, given what time it is, uh, market forces, and a few bits and pieces, really, as we lurch quickly from a disappointing, for me at least, Game Week 12 into Game Week 13. Today, I'm recording on the evening of Thursday, the 20th of October, as the final games are going on. Fulham Villa is playing at the moment, and Leicester versus Leeds isn't going to be playing for another 45 minutes. One hour later here, I'm tired from travelling, and I was also out last night, uh, so I, I couldn't hold on any longer, really. No video on YouTube once more either, I'm afraid. Sorry, back next week, and hotel Wi-Fi too, uh, which would mean it'll take forever to render. So, uh, just before actually I get on with it, quick shout out to the guys who came last night to the London meetup in the city, a rather impromptu one, so only a few there. Uh, my highlight was uh, Sam, uh, who came along, uh, popped along and said to me, it's Tom from Who Got The Assist coming. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't disappoint you, mate. Really good to meet you. Uh, really nice to hear that someone other than my mum listens to the podcast. And also good to meet Albert Edwards too. Really nice to put a name to a face as always. And yeah, also the usual miscreants like you know, Dan Eppelfeller and Praz, etc, etc, who were there. As I say, always say, I suppose, definitely worth coming along to one if you can. The next one's in November. I think it's the 12th. So definitely worth coming along. Um, check out at FPR Meets um, and head in for a visit. So let's get into it. First up is the game reviews. I don't really want to talk about this too much, but I better mention it very quickly. This week wasn't a good week at all. 
off the Tuesday and Wednesday's games, I was on just 35 points. So a tripled rank from 6.8-ish I was last week. And when I last checked, it was about kind of 17k. I've got Mitro and Andreas playing right now. I'll be very lucky to get to 50. Um, I did do the moves I said I'd make, so I took the hit. Trossard, Salah and Anderson came in for KDB, Madison and Emerson. None of the guys I removed did actually play, but obviously I shouldn't have bothered because all three of the newcomers blanked too. In fact, my only returnees were Trippier and Pope at the back of Newcastle. The free bonus for Trippier finally. A cleanie from Neko Williams. How he conspired to get a clean sheet in that game is only as puzzling as how Tony conspired not to score against Chelsea. Like, Wow, very, very unlucky there, I suppose. Uh, but the most unlucky, of course, uh, was Bowen, the spectacular blanker off the penalty miss. Oh, no, he never looked confident, Jared. And I just think, you know, you've got to take them on the chin when they happen, really. I mean, obviously, it's a bit annoying in the moment, but I've been playing FPL for so damn long now that the length of time between me feeling crappy after something like that happens and then shrugging it off and moving on has decreased so much these days. I mean, obviously, as I said, a bit annoying when it happened, but pretty quickly over it. And drinking obviously helped too. So all that means that it's Zaha to Bowen to in the face-off that's come to define how me and Lucy get on every week. It means she'll beat me by about eight points this week, i.e. Zaha's eight points for scoring his goal. And I think she's probably between 40 and 50k, but obviously a bit of a mere week all round. Uh, but as all the cliches say, I'm glad we can move on quickly. New game week's coming soon. We can wipe this from my memory, etc., etc. No mini league update this week. I'll give a full one on the pod next week just because obviously the games are currently ongoing. Market forces wise, I guess it speaks to what I'll mention later about Foden and Saka uh, as the top transfers in. Um, but those two have been bought by the majority of people who are making moves thus far in the market. That includes myself, uh, Foden, 250,000 at the time of recording, Saka, 168,000 at the time of recording, third and fourth, Holland and Martinelli. So Holland, 117,000 transfers in, dropped in price uh, last week or last game week, I should say, and Martinelli, almost 100,000 transfers in now. I would say I feel sorry for the chunk of people who are probably buying them back at 1.4 million more than they paid for them. Well, 1.3 million now with the Erling drop. But honestly, I don't, to be honest. Uh, sorry. And um, uh, Almiron, uh, Pocket Rocket, just on fire since Grealish, 5.3 million, bought by 83,000 people as well now. Uh, so yeah, on his way, the Paraguayan. And in terms of transfers out, Reese James still being sold by quite a lot of people. Almost 100,000 sales of him at the moment. I Yes, people are kind of moving over to Cancelo again, moving over to Saliba again. Uh, I think a few thousand, I think it's like 50,000 buys for Trippier as well. So definitely becoming you know, one of those hygiene factors. I think he was, you know, 97% in the top 10K. So really someone that everybody's going to have. Trossard and Gross are also being sold by quite a lot. Trossard, 170,000 people have sold him thus far. That is probably because he's a one-week pump. He was for me, so I'm not surprised he's gone pretty sharpish. And gross, 85,000 transfers out for him. Kane, been sold by 70,000. His second blank of the season against United after a really nice sort of 10-game run of returns. Probably people swapping to Holland or doing something else, I don't know. And finally, Luis Diaz, currently making up the top five. 65,000 transfers out, again, injured. So yeah. Things may change tonight, you know, maybe there's injury to Mitro or Andrea or something like that. But at the time of recording, that's what it was like. So I, I guess tonight, really quickly, I thought I'd just run over a few scenarios you may be confronted with. Now we're out of the blank. So if you rolled, if you didn't have a huge transfer or something like that, 
if you did have a Q transfer and who you might get, probably between Saka and Foden, and what wild carders may want to look at. Um, with probably a bit of teams to target for the last four game weeks before we go into the World Cup thrown in, so it's hopefully of use to everybody. Firstly, those who are in a fairly leisurely position and rolled through game week 12 or, you know, say made one transfer, probably fielded 10 men with Foden already in situ, but you knew that you'd be all right this week. You're in a very strong position, so I'm not sure you particularly need much from me. You probably know what you're doing next. And I suspect you've probably got something like Foden or Saka queued up if you don't already own one or both of them. I'll come on to that in just a sec, but yeah, really envious of those who are already pretty much on that template, use their wildcard and just kind of roll through without spending points this week like I did. I suppose the big question for those not on wildcard at the moment is probably Saka versus Foden. Most people probably had a transfer queued for one of them. If you did have Foden, I suppose you probably went in with 10, as I said. For people like me of De Bruyne, it was kind of a case of using game week 12 to indirectly move De Bruyne out for Foden via Trossard. I had a conversation on Twitter earlier this week with Albert, who I mentioned earlier, who's really torn between the two. It kind of made me think about this a little bit more. So... If we were comparing the two, the last four fixtures before the World Cup were right for both teams. So Man City have three home games in the, in the next four, with Brighton at home, Leicester away, and then Fulham and Brentford at home in the league. Where it gets a bit tricky is all the other sort of competitions. So Dortmund are midweek after Brighton, Sevilla are midweek after Leicester, and it's the League Cup third round, a tricky tie against Chelsea after Fulham. So there are some games which may potentially mean that the first team is kind of splintered a little bit because there's other considerations. Arsenal have three away games in the next four, with Southampton away up next, that juicy Forest home game in game week 14 that everyone seems to be looking at, and the final two away games against Chelsea and Wolves. Now we've got FC Zurich in the Europa League after Southampton, and then there's a League Cup third round tie against Brighton, sandwiched between Chelsea and Wolves. They're playing PSV at the moment, so there's not kind of that extra sort of issue there in terms of... Uh, the extra game, I think if we win that, we do go through, or we're pretty much through. I think we're winning as well. Yeah, one, we've won the up at the moment, thanks to the Xhaka goal. Oh, Grand Xhaka doing very well. And um, so I think that hopefully, you know, we've been rotating anyway, so it's probably not too much for worry there. So that all in place then, you look at kind of the fixtures and think about the players, you may say, oh, you know, Foden's a rotation risk for Dortmund, so they need to win, whereas Saka's probably not going to play in Europe now. And you have this sort of weird sort of predicts pet thing that always seems to be rolled out around now. I kind of think that's a bit of a futile exercise, you know. It kind of just, it feels like one of those things that's designed to fill the story you want to tell yourself. Just silly, really. So I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard, oh, he was resting the last game, therefore he's going to play the next game, applied to Pep Guardiola. And I just think it's always a total waste of time to go into this uh, exercise. So I mean, Mare is a great example of this in the past, where people would be trying to, I guess, read the tea leaves on Pep by getting him in because he hadn't started the last game or two. Maybe it was like, you know, the dead end punt or, you know, the free hit or something like that, only for him to not play again. And Foden this year also, he did start, but a great example again of how predict Pep can always be a bit troublesome. So he missed the FC Copenhagen game, didn't he? And then he only played 57 minutes in the Southampton game, I think it was. So it's just it's just difficult to know what Pep's going to do, really. And I think if if you are worried about it, or it's something that comes into consideration when you're choosing City players, you've literally got two options. One, avoid Man City altogether and go and buy a team that you're less worried about rotation for. Two, 
just accept it and take it on the chin when it happens, knowing that your long-term investment is probably going to pay dividends. Well, not long-term, really, because you've only got four weeks, but you know what I mean. Over, uh, over the fixtures, you kind of hope that you're going to get enough points to make it worth you buying that player. So if predict peps out of the equation and we're saying, okay, let's have a look at the underlying stats a bit. Let's do that in terms of teams, teams to play, so the opposition and players themselves, just to kind of think about you know, how I'd decide this, perhaps if I was kind of comparing two players directly. And this is a direct comparison, isn't it? Two 8 million-ish sort of players who will fit the same kind of slot in your squad. So looking at players first, Foden's non-pen expected data is better than Saka's this season, as you'd expect. Always non-pen, as I saw, I think it was an FPL hedgehog or something saying on Twitter earlier on. Um, but yeah, the non-pen XGI of 5.1 Foden versus 4.2 for Saka. And you're obviously hoping for a penalty of Saka, which I guess is a plus for him. So you may kind of reason that that makes up the deficit. Foden expected data better. Saka does have the pens, which you could say makes up the deficit. Saka does have the X-Mins, so 100 more minutes on the pitch or so um, over Foden at the moment. So I guess you can say, all right, let's move on to the teams instead. Well, unsurprisingly, in terms of teams they play for, City far at Arsenal this season in terms of non-pen XG. Near enough 6.5 difference uh, with nine actual extra goals scored for City. So you're going to back City in terms of the team to back. I did think about kind of looking at the teams that they play and seeing if that gave us anything. So I tallied up and means the non-pen XGA for the teams they'll be facing in the league. Uh, City playing Brighton, Leicester, Fulham and Brentford. Their XGA in total is 54.9 for the season, a mean of 13.7 non-pen XGA, uh, plus three out of four at home for City. Arsenal are playing Saints, Forest, Chelsea and Wolves, 54.7, so 0.2 less than City's opposition. A mean, again, of 13.7 non-pen XGA, uh, plus three out of four is away. Oof, not as hopeful, not as useful as I hoped, basically. So I guess then it comes down to extraneous factors, you know, models, the eye test, other things you may value. Review, I think, does lean Saka. Eye test, probably, well, definitely, we'd probably go with Man City. And other factors like, you know, do I think Foden or Saka is more explosive come into play here? I think the answer then comes down to what you value more and that kind of fable gut instinct, I suppose. Like, do you value models to help take the decision? Do you value things like FPL ownership? Or, you know, do you value the data like I've just expressed to you? Plus, what you've seen on the grass is an integrative way of, of assessing players. And I think for me, it's probably, there's probably Foden here. I still think City on their day are capable of scoring more than we are at Arsenal. Uh, plus, the home fixtures simply swing it. I'm just not going to predict Pep. And I'm going to assume that everything's going to probably be okay or net out okay over the next four. That might not be good for others, though. Like, you know, you may want the X-Men security that Arsenal Starboy brings. And that's absolutely fine, too. Like, I'm not here to peddle any sort of story, really. I, I have bought Foden. Um, <laughs> spoilers. But I think it's absolutely fine to make the choice while acknowledging the other kind of route is also absolutely valid. Like, I don't mind either one. I just kind of felt it was worth getting Foden. And plus, you know, who knows? I spent most of sizing up getting Saka next week anyway. Like I know I am. I, I said I, I've got Bowen and you know, three out of the next four are good fix, home fixtures for him. I heard on Planet he's got more than eight in ten of his returns at home. But United away next, he could be on the shopping block. I could, after the Bournemouth game, he could he's away at United and I could kind of tell myself the story 
that it's time to get saccharine for that uh, for that Boris game if I get the FOMO on it. But it's tough, isn't it? Because I'm not really, I don't really like uh, our, our final two games before uh, before the World Cup. So yeah, difficult one. But yeah, Foden first and then Saka second basically would be how I'd do it. Um, but I completely respect why if you fancied Saka, uh, you want to go that way too. And finally, uh, I got a question through DM, actually. And I thought, well, I was going to cover this anyway. Might as well uh, do one uh, which was prompted by a listener. And it's a really good one from John O'Forward, who asked me about you know, what those on wild, on wildcard should do. So I know a fair few of you are out there at the moment. And he asked, you know, what do you choose between going with the bigger sides or spreading the love between the smaller teams? So he says, you know, he can't fit the likes of Zaha, Solanke, Skamaka, Bowen, Mitro, etc. in if he goes to the Triple City and Triple Arsenal. So how would I approach doing a wildcard right now? Now, I, it, is, it is difficult, but when I was thinking about it, the thing that I kind of kept coming back to was how this wildcard, if you're wildcarding now, is very different to others that you'd be doing probably because you're looking at a four-week sprint for this wildcard. There's no need to set up for the long term. You're looking to simply harvest as many points as possible in a short space of time. For me, Jono, unfortunately, that would simply nail in six City and Arsenal players as ever two best teams in the league. <laughs> There's no other way of looking at it. Um, in terms of the players I'd pick, you know the City, Cancelo, Foden, Haaland, that's pretty easy. In terms of Arsenal, I think I'd go for Martinelli and Saka. Um, I assume most people have Martinelli. And, or have held him um, but 6.7 that's still okay value uh, Saka over Jesus because Jesus is on that kind of uh, in that kind of four yellow cards danger zone and probably between Ben White and Gabriel Gabriel is probably more nailed so probably one I go for but you know, Ben White equally fine if you want to save some money and um, yeah I mean that probably leaves you you know fairly good and I, I'm, it's difficult because I can't really tell you what your budget then becomes is different for everyone but I assume it's not too bad like on top of that six you probably have to own Trippier at the moment probably say you've got Andreas as well in your team maybe a Mitrovic or something like that no maybe not but I guess that kind of leaves you with eight seven players doesn't it that you've kind of must own right now in some way shape or form so the goalkeeper's up for grabs we'll speak about that in a second um at the back Gabriel or White, Cancelo and Trippier, in midfield, Saka, Martelli and Foden, up front, Holland. I think those are kind of, you know, the seven players, plus Andreas on the bench, probably. Those are the eight players that I think probably are just the, the backbone of any team, really. Uh, that's a bit boring, I know, but that picks itself at the moment. They're obvious picks and they're obvious for a reason. And what you do next, I guess, depends on how you're going to structure your team. So you've got your goalkeeper, obviously, I'll speak about that in a sec. I mean, it's whether, you know, you go four at the back, a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3 three, three, or, three, three, or maybe even a 4-4-2. Four, four, so I'll just go through a few options and I'll leave it up to you to decide because I'm quite glad I'm not on a wild card because my head would be spinning and you've got not very much time to think about it. Whereas normally you've got the, at least one week, normally two if you're doing open international break. Or if the Queen dies, you've got absolutely bloody ages. Oh yeah, I did say Salah, did I? Hmm. Well, I... I yeah, I'll come on to that in a sec. I, I don't think that... I, I'm not sure whether it's going to be too restrictive. I, I guess if you do choose to kind of make a defensive sort of setup, that may be, might be worth it. Uh, his actual ownership wasn't particularly high when I checked. I think he got to 40% last week. But that was probably, you know, free hits, wild cards, uh, free hits. Um, and it's only, I think it's only like 33% or something like that at the moment. So 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure about Salah. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that. Uh, let's start with the keepers. Uh, so uh, there doesn't seem to be a particularly highly owned keeper right now out there. Like normally, there's you know one dude who's just miles ahead of everybody else, apart from <laughs> Danny Ward. I think Pope is still the highest owned goalkeeper. I think it's a one in five team, something like that. Last time I checked, maybe around that. If I was going for a goalkeeper now over the last four fixtures, I know people will say, oh, Kepa. I think Kepa is probably one for after the World Cup. I think that's probably about right. I, I don't really like the next four fixtures, unfortunately. United, Brighton, Arsenal and Newcastle. They don't scream clean sheets to me at the very least. But then I guess, you know, if, if he's in form, as far as goalkeepers can be in form, he'd be worth owning. But I think it's the World Cup wildcard. That's when I'd be looking at Kepa. I think the two I would be looking at are my old pal Vincente Guaita and Pickford. Um, and of the two, I probably pump the Pickford for three reasons, I guess. So the fixtures are better for Everton. Palace, Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth, uh, two at home, two away. Uh, any of those fixtures, I could see a clean sheet in for Everton. Whereas Greater has Everton, so against each other, Leicester, Southampton, Forest, and three or four of those are away. So I, I kind of vaguely prefer Pickford's fixtures. Two is that there's a cheap alternative for Guaitar and Gahey, who, who can go on your bench. Although, actually, no, now I've said that, uh, Tarkovsky's 4.4, isn't he? Yeah, so I think Cody's 4.9. That's probably why I'm out of whack. But no, Tarko's 4.4. So, yeah, okay, that one's irrelevant. So, there are two reasons fixture and Pickford doesn't have neighbor deputy like Johnston putting pressure on him. I, I think that Everton are probably still the better team to back there, I think. And as I said, it's about harvesting as many points as possible over the last four games. So probably, if you're going with the fixtures, go with Pickford and hope for the best. Plus, you know, decent saves record. And obviously, I'd probably keep Ward as your kind of second keeper, just because he's really cheap. Now, defence. Uh, Trent, obviously differential you can throw in. Liverpool have got Forest, Leeds, Spurs and Saints. Defence is performing better recently, although most of the season they are mid-table in terms of expected goals against but the free bones from him last night was a reminder of how he can perform in FPL even if the eye is not doing particularly great in terms of the premium defenders I wouldn't go any further than that and in terms of the backup on the bench I think the likes of Gahey the likes of Tarko a West Ham defender like the cat kicker uh, Zuma uh, maybe could be worth looking at just because these guys are probably going to be bench men uh, especially if you go with the three that I mentioned, so Gabriel or White, Cancelo, Trippier. If you shove Trent in, probably looking at a proper sort of 90-minute bench man. You could even maximise funds via old favourites like Neko Williams for bench three. Um, yeah, I mean, Trent definitely could be one to consider. You know that. Midfield, obvious one is Salah. Most of us, in terms of those who haven't been wildcarding, so game, well, game week seven or eight wildcarders, have probably locked into only the Egyptian now, but it clearly limits what else you can do. Um, and also, I guess, if you are wildcarding now, there's a good chance you aren't as flush with cash as I am, because back in game week seven, come eight, when I wildcarded, uh, there were quite a few price rises for a lot of key players. So I, I do think that the squad value is probably going to be a little bit lower uh, than, what I, than what I can achieve. And also, you know, to the eye against West Ham, given how he plays with Nunez on the pitch, it's notable that he's just he's just nowhere near the same threat, is he? Um, he's much more central when Darwin is withdrawn. I'd probably veer away from him 
on wildcard. Uh, and I'd probably be considering the likes of, you know, Bowen, Zaha as your third 8 million mid. So some sort of, you know, one EM strategy with Holland as your perma captain. That'd be probably the way I'd be looking at it here. If you don't fancy Bowen or Zaha, there's, you know, the heavy pick of Son if you want to keep the premium slot. But, you know, I might kind of fancy Rashford here. Like he's actually 11th for expected goal involvement this season. Pretty surprising, actually. And seemingly the most likely candidate to play a number nine role for United with Ronaldo in the baby soft play. Uh, Martial as well as permanently injured. And they've got OK fixtures. You know, Chelsea away, then West Ham home, and the final couple away to Villa and Fulham. Decent differential. And also Almiron's worth a look at 5.3. So a really decent XGI especially in terms of value, as we spoke about a few weeks ago. And the fixtures don't really matter too much to a guy like that because, you know, he's so cheap and he's starting and he's doing well. A fifth highest fifth high scoring mid at the moment, uh, Almiron, starting at 5 million this season. Wow, really, really good. Um, so the fixtures aren't great. Spurs away, Villa, Southampton, Chelsea. But given how Newcastle were performing, that would be absolutely fine, you know? And in terms of the forwards... If you choose to go kind of that way, uh, you could go for Kane. Uh, obviously, his first blank since game week one against Man United, uh, but you know, really not performing badly at all in terms of non-pen expected goal involvement. He's third at the moment, really carrying that Spurs team. Um, I just, I'm just a bit concerned about Spurs at the moment. So I just don't think he graced my wild card. In fact, I don't think any Spurs would grace my wild card. Instead, I'd be very interested in a few other characters alongside Haaland. The first one, I, mean, I did mention Mitro earlier on. I feel like I'm just hardwired to have him in my team. But you know, it kind of does anything in my team anyway. Next two are all right. Uh, Leeds and then Everton. Game week 15, he comes up against City. And game week 16, at home to United. Those two aren't particularly great. So it's probably not as necessary as I initially thought. Tony and Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, I toss into the four yellows caution bucket. And I would ignore them. And I think that leaves us actually with two really interesting options that I'd probably be tempted to go for. The first one is Wilson at Newcastle. But the fixtures are mixed, as I mentioned with Almiron. But he's 12th for non-pen SGI this season, despite only playing seven games. And if he's actually third for non-pen XG per 90, which is quite something. Like 7.2, that, that's really good value for what he could offer in a Newcastle team, which are performing really well, playing very fluently. Definitely on my radar, particularly as their second for non-pen XG this season, joint with Arsenal. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll be looking at, well, I definitely would be looking at Wilson um, as my second striker on any wildcard I do. The final striker, I mean, you've got your slankies and stuff, you want a cheap option. I would probably have said to have a look at Darwin, unfortunately, we're not too sure what's going on with his fitness at the moment. Was subbed early with muscle tightness or something like that against West Ham. So one to be mindful of. But if you watch him play, he's a menace. Like his touch may not be the best, but his movement and his technique striking the ball is just elite. Top for non-pen is to goal involvement per 90 at the moment as well. Yes, only limited number of starts, but he really could go big, I think, eventually. And maybe one that I kind of bear in mind for after the World Cup. But really the other one that's worth a shout is Skamaka at West Ham. It definitely looks a player. He's getting in the right positions and a similar XG per 90 to the likes of Trossard, Son, Martinelli. And I mentioned, you know, Bowen earlier on, uh, some very good fit home fixtures for West Ham. Starts this week as Bournemouth. On paper, that's a good fixture, but in reality, probably it's a little bit trickier. But for the price at 6.8, he could be very decent, actually, as an option, especially to facilitate other things. So you know, thinking for myself, if I 
did sell Bowen for Saka for the Man United game next week, then Skamaka for Mitro for that Man City game makes a lot of sense. So uh, that could be what I do. So you, I guess if you could afford it, I guess I'd probably be in a 3-4-3, something like that, if it was me for this wild card. So I'd have Pickford in goal, Warders to back up. I'd probably opt for the three at the back. So Cancelo, Trippier and White and have, you know, a Gahey or something like that and a Neko. In midfield, I'd probably have Saka, Marcelli, Foden and maybe a punt on Rashford or Almiron or something like that, with Andreas on the bench. And up front, I'd probably have Haaland, Wilson or Skamaka. Yeah, I mean, you could obviously you know, reconfigure that and have Trent in there or something like that. But I think that's kind of where I go. I don't know. I just quite like the mix that team gives you over the next four as all iterations have a decent shot of doing all right, basically. So yes, Jono, long-winded answer to you and the other wildcarders out there, plus some teams to target non-wildcarders too. I guess it is, um, unfortunately, a big team setup. But I think there's enough there to differentiate you. And having that specific setup is a differential in of itself. That's the thing you've got to remember. So even if it does look a bit kind of boring as a unit, you've got to think that actually not many people have got that set up. So that becomes your differential, if you see what I mean. But yeah, you can throw in a couple of differentials there. And it is still going to probably be the like, about making sure you cover the bases and having kind of the fringe guys coming through. But, you know, guys like Wilson and guys, you know, like Skamaka, I, I think those are going to be the ones where things are going to be won and lost. Right then, uh, final thing then is transfers and captains for me. So as I've intimated, Foden in for Trossard has already been done. Hall and captain. My team picks itself. So Pope, Trips and Cancelo are at the back. Uh, Anderson at the moment is on the field away to Everton. And Matthew Doherty is on the bench. I think it's probably going to stay that way. And I assume that... Everton Palace becomes nil-nil and Matt Doherty misses Newcastle. We'll see what James from Planet and Paul O'Keefe reckon. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'd bench Trippier. It'd actually be quite a tough decision whether I'd bench Anderson if both like they're going to play. No, I'll, I'll leave that to future me or uh, Saturday me to decide. In midfield, Martinelli, Bowden, Salah and Foden. And up front, Haaland, flanked by Mitrovic and Tony. Happy with that. Uh, hopefully with a green arrow to get myself back to top 10k. I think I'm going to captain Haaland and just kind of forget about captaincy again. I can see why, especially if Nunez is injured. Salah versus Forrest may be interesting, especially if he is up front, uh, as in playing centre forward or seems to flourish through the middle. I, will, I, I may revisit that, honestly, depending on what Klopp says in the press conference tomorrow. Um, but I, I, at the moment, I think it's probably going to be Haaland and hoping that Salah, who's low enough owned, that he's going to be a potent kind of differential to own, hopefully. So I'm imagining people will kind of just go back to Holland and want to forget about it, especially because Bryson under the Zerbi aren't looking as impenetrable as they were under Potter. And Lucy as well is probably going to do Trossard to Foden. Right, so there you go. Quick and dirty once more. I hope that was useful. We were, or I was, who got the assist. Find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL or Lucy at Lucy Heinitz with two Ts. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope I vaguely assisted you. Good luck on game week 13. And me and Lucy will be back properly again next week. Likely to be Tuesday. Due to be travelling back late from here on the Monday. So the pod will be with you, you know, Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning, depending on where in the world you are. Speak soon. Have a good weekend. Farewell. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.